0: BTB listeners, thank you so much for checking out today's episode. Listen, if this episode inspires you, do me a favor and take five seconds to shoot me a like and subscribe to the podcast. There are several more exciting guests that are in the pipeline, and I just can't thank you enough for your continued support, and let's keep paying the mission forward. In today's episode, I interview Bobby Rasmussen. He's a two-time individual state champion and won the coveted team title over Cherry Creek, representing Regis Jesuit. We talk about our collective journeys and how our lives have ultimately become full circle. Bobby, at the end of a tournament match, gave me encouragement and hope and something that I needed in more ways that I could have ever imagined. In the episode, we talk through his career, the highs and lows, playing high school and Division One college tennis, The importance of not only going on a journey in life with one another, but the importance of encouraging each and every person around you as you're on the journey. Welcome to the BTB Project, designed to empower listeners to identify their why and to live their best lives no matter the circumstances. My name is Coleman Gerhart. A former athlete and motivational coach, I've had the opportunity to inspire thousands through my story and help accomplish what they are built to be. You'll be encouraged by each and every episode, and let's get into it.
1: Yeah, when I blow up, I'm high like Peter Pan real life be living my dreams
0: It's one of those moments today where the BTB project has an opportunity to be full circle the old cliche, if you can't beat them, join them. And I never thought back in the day that one of the greatest competitors that I faced as a junior would ever turn into a situation where there's a lot of pieces and aspects to our journeys collectively that have led us to have an unbelievable story. I come from a high school coaching background, 17 years. I spent 10 of those years at this gentleman's old high school, and it brings me a tremendous honor, privileged, and incredibly humbled, a Colorado State champion, a Division One college tennis player, Mr. Bobby Rasmussen. Welcome to the BTB Project.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Coleman. Uh, he said to come full circle and reconnect with competitors of the past obviously uh, of which you were and great to hear not only what you've been up to with the b2b project but also taking part with my Motors regis it's good to see a, another connection there in addition to everything else you've been doing on the colorado tennessee echo what you said fortunate and grateful to be here so thanks for the warm introduction
0: now a hundred percent and the ties and lineage that we have Obviously, we're going to unpack it in some aspects comes with a heavy heart, right? Because here we are just a week or two ago, we connect, but finding out an old teammate of yours in high school lost his life, Colin Day. And that was tough because here I am still in Colorado, still tied to Colorado tennis, the high school community. Colin was back as a tennis instructor at CAC Monaco. And here we are coming together, guys that competed against each other in high school, but one of your teammates is lost. What did it mean to you to know that here you are a few years removed from high school tennis and you hear that news?
1: First thought is just obviously growing up with Colin as a teammate of mine at Regis. When you spend that much time with someone, not only practicing, but being together with their family, first thing you think of just great family that he was a part of. So my heart goes out to them first and foremost, and there's just be honest, hit me a ton of bricks you think of at least our, our. Tennis days, especially high school are far in the past, but I don't consider myself to be of age where that sort of stuff happens, you know, regularly. It's not yet in our lives. So Colin was on the team with me at Regis three years, played singles. Overall, he was a great, when you get integrated to not only a new high school, but a new high school team, him being there for me. I know he also played later on at the University of Denver and just a fixture you mentioned monica and i practiced there countless times growing <laughs> up so he's a fixture everywhere so anyways my heart he goes out not only to colin himself but his failing that's tragic and just hate to see that and with the regis tennis community as well colin was part of our state championship team over cherry creek and just mm-hmm. a great guy so i hate to see that
0: listen obviously condolences to the day family and i'm glad that we can At least connect those dots because I was able to hit a couple times with Colin in the most recent future, which was humbling for me because I remember that Regis team. I know that you mentioned that you guys were able to win a a team title together and to think of being a guy that went to Ponderosa High School, Continental League, in the same league as Regis. Mm -hmm. I remember vividly. When I was able to to finally work my way into the varsity ladder and and get into singles and we'd get in the the van to, to go to Regis or Regis would come to us. And that's when my eyes would open very wide because it was just a different level of tennis. I'd love for you to take us back to your high school career. I know that you had individual success and you had that team success. But let's start with just your freshman year, man. Do you remember why Regis? Was Regis always on the radar, or did you have some other schools in mind back in the day?
1: Yes, great question. Growing up, had a Catholic background. My mom, believe it or not, went to an all-girls Catholic high school back in Michigan. From an education standpoint, that was always on the radar. What was fortunate was that the tennis happened to align closely with the goals that my folks had for me academically at the time. Our coach at the time, Andy Potter, so he was my coach for freshman and sophomore year and Incredible guy, Kentucky, big time player. And what
0: he didn't accomplish, Bobby, who was a high school tennis coach that has his resume.
1: Yeah, no, all all American, yeah, big time player and was awesome. And and I had worked with Andy out at Inverness prior to that. Not only that connection, but some of the guys that were on the team ahead of me, Mark Wynick. Brent D'Amico was there for a year or so before he ended up transitioning out to Texas. But, but anyways, yeah, just overall great bunch of guys. It was int- Regis was always known for being, I'd say, more top heavy compared to. Whereas you have Creek historically. Creek at the time that we had knocked him off at one seventeen straight or so- some obscene number but they were known for always being incredibly deep so regis would always have a fighter's chance based on our singles play but it was so difficult to compete with creek from one doubles through to four doubles so that's where the battles fought and sometimes won sometimes not but yeah so that's how i ended up at regis mainly a mix of the academics but they were at least with andy and some of the guys on the team was had that connection that was established
0: early on yeah, high school tennis has changed vividly on how they determine the state championship over the mm-hmm. last two years. They've made this change to where it's not what we were used to, where we would go to Gates Tennis Center and we would play over three days, and there would be individual mm-hmm. state champions, and there would be a team championship based off right. Of right. allocated. Being a high school coach now, it's much different. It's a duel state championship and oh wow and an individual state championship so the top 16 teams that compete for the dual state championship are seated based off of their dual season finish so okay. essentially they see the top 16 and you play dual matches hmm. throughout a couple periods of weeks while well, integrating the individual state championship to where you still play regionals and then you go play the individual state championships amongst the dual state championship, but I share that with you because knowing how you just mentioned, there's a lot of top heaviness with some of the singles, and there was points allocated in the old format. Yeah. What did an old OG Regis Jesuit tennis team do against a creek, knowing that it would be a duel. To determine the state championship.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think back. Creek had some pretty impressive years. Chad Harris, that was their number one player a couple years, at least my, I don't know if it was my freshman and sophomore year. But it would be it would be a grind for sure. You, you compare that to how they do it in college with Division One and other divisions as well, just where you go head to head through the NCAA tournament, right, with each position counting as a a spot and it really makes front of the lineup down to the bottom really crucial and and critical. And I know in the old format, he said they'd have different points allocated, right, for how far you'd get at one, two, three singles, all the way down four doubles. And he said Creek was always tough, especially on the double side, but they had some grinder in the front of the lineup too. So I don't know, it'd be a, Battle. We, didn't, we only got them once <laughs> yeah,
0: out of hey. my four years there. So. What they've done, I'm a Colorado native. My dad went to Wheat Ridge. My uncle went to Wheat Ridge. We all remember that 96 team, that Creek for the first time, Chris Jenkins. Mm-hmm. When it comes to what made me start ticking as a tennis player, it was knowing that history. How cool would it be to knock off? Prestigious tennis program, Bobby. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated oh, back in 'ninety six. Yeah. And I know you're saying just to to knock them off once, but I want to go back there for a little bit. Was I know you had Potter for your first two years. Yep. I know that I believe John John Kozlowski was George your, Yeah, your coach, junior and senior year. I, I'd love for you to maybe walk me back through. I know that you want it as an individual. I know you want it as a team. I don't know if you ever had those two scenarios happen in the same year, but, I mean, when you reflect back, what uh, was more meaningful for you? Was it the individual state championship or that blip on the radar to, to take down the almighty Cherry Creek?
1: Taking you through a, a bit of the history. So my freshman year, I was playing number three singles at the time ended up losing in the state finals to Bo Bergland, who yep. ended up playing at Loyola Marymount, uh, university
0: where Matt Phillips ended up.
1: Yep. Yeah. And Matt as well. So we had that competition with Regis and Creek, but maintained that in, in college as well, but so I lost a close third setter to him in the finals, my freshman year, number three singles, and we ended up losing a, a tight overall championship to to creek and got second that year follow it up the next year and i was able to win the number two singles title and then that year also captured this the state crown which is a big deal for us because we not ashamed to admit it but we hated creek with every fiber in our body from their coach his name was kirk price the guy kirk price, was man, just, goodness we thought he was just a heinous individual <laughs> in terms right. of tennis, it was concerned, <laughs> but it was a big deal for us and did not cause operated with an air of arrogance that really got was motivation for us, they had the right to when, right. You, when you're on the cover of sports illustrated and you're doing what they did in the manner that, that they did over the years, Hey, they could talk the talk. So that was a huge deal for us off my sophomore year to end up winning that title and I still have. To me, one of the great pictures I have at home is me hugging that that giant state trophy. And that's a proud moment because the individual is one thing, but especially in tennis, I really appreciated the competition that we had at the team level with high school and then I'd say more in in college as well, because high school is one thing. And when you're competing at that level with a rivalry creek, you feel you get close with your teammates, all of that. To me, college took that and. And ramped it up a level further, right? With the level of commitment and time associated with practice, all that. But yeah, for me, career-wise, junior year won number two singles again with Mark Weinig playing number one. And then my senior year ended up losing in the state finals for number one singles to Richard Johnson that ended up playing at Pepperdine. Yeah, and, national uh,
0: champion. I was, was grateful enough to have him on the podcast. He freaked yeah. up on that national championship on a broken foot. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, I mean, and, that guy, uh, he was nails, dude. He was tough. Yeah, I, uh, so
1: Pepperdine is in our conference for tennis, and they, at the time, they were almost similar to Cherry Creek. For the WC West Coast Conference in my sophomore years, when they ended up winning the, the national title, I, I got... Wiped the second time by Richard Johnson that year on the Pepperdine courts. Impressive player, and he had a career in tennis great beyond just his college days as well. But great guy, and he said the Colorado tennis roots run deep, and and it was awesome to some of those relationships and competitions continue on.
0: Yeah, this interview—it's funny as you're talking through a lot of Richard was on the podcast. Bo Berglin, I had really great interactions with him. Trey Creek, Art Quinn, who's the current head coach of Trey Oh, Trey Art. Yeah. Yeah, he actually was one of my first private coaches when Meadow Creek sure. was still yep. having a lot of good junior tennis. And I remember going to Sunday Slammers and it was this yep. $10 drop in for two hours and all of the best junior <laughs> tennis players would go down and just beat up on each other. But no, for a second here. Full transparency, you and me. So, I had this unique situation amongst your tennis career to where I got to play against, I believe, the three most prolific tennis players that have ever played at Regis Jesuit. I played against Colin Day, yeah. I played against Bobby Rasmussen, and I played against Mark Wining. Yeah. And every time I left those matches, I was. Man, there's this level. I started playing tennis when I was 14 years old. I was a late bloomer. I remember that. I was just getting into it. And I just remember getting my food best served cold by the cold-blooded killers (laughs) of Regis Jesuit. And it was one of those moments, the first time I played you, I'll never forget the competitive pedigree that you brought to the match. You brought this hey, this isn't personal, it's business. I've had a tremendous coach that I've been able to work with recently that said, basically, you brought your lunch pail, you you checked in to the office, you checked out, and business was served. That's how I felt playing against you in high school. And it actually taught me a lot because as much as it sucked to not come out on the winning end, It showed me what it took to compete. And it's funny how you brought up how you guys as a Regis Jesuit tennis community took on the almighty Cherry Creek because you guys had to create a perseverance, and ego that could withstand the time of history. The history was it's Creek, always Creek. This is how it's going to be. Mm. You guys had something else to say, mm. Bobby. I mean, your sophomore year, it sounds like that's the the mecca of your high school tennis career, where you win it individually and you win it as a team. Yep. Well, how in the world did you guys and and Coach Potter take on that year to know that you would have a chance to knock off one of the greatest high school tennis programs and athletic programs in the country.
1: The way you tell it, it almost seems more daunting than it did at the time. Thinking back, we knew we had a chance, obviously the year before uh, where you get close enough and you know that you have the pieces, right, to to be able to do it. And then with Mark, myself, and Colin, kind of role for singles right we knew that with the scoring the way they did it for the state championship that that we'd have that we'd have a chance but Andy Potter that guy is an animal in terms of competitiveness I'll tell a a funny story so I was playing against uh, Clayton Millis who was one of my contemporaries that was playing for Kent at the time I was in the match with Clayton and we were going back and forth and at one point there was a questionable line call or something and no joke, Andy Potter ends up reaching and grabbing Clayton by the shirt, pulls him right up to his fence and says, you better never, you know, never effing make that call again. You know, and it's like, I'm looking at Andy and I'm like, with your <laughs>
0: like, the opposing team, the opposing team, yeah, like, <laughs>
1: dude. Yeah, and, I, and I'm like, and, and, I, and I think it was because, you know, Clayton actually had, like, talked back to Andy uh, when he had questioned the call in the first place. He didn't just do that out of the air. But, you know, it was like, and I'm looking, I'm like, all right, this guy means business. You think of any, and again, I'm not comparing our teams to any, any sort of team that you see that wins a championship, but oftentimes the team take on the personality of the coach, right? Or take on the, you have an ethos of the team that you're able to take as your DNA for us. Again, we Creek is that from our standpoint as the the pompous ass group of guys that was going to try to win right. and rub it in our face year after year. And it was up to us to bring that lunch pail mentality that, Hey, uh, we're here to scrape and fight and compete. And until we get there, until we get to the top of that hill and our DNA to, to fight and do what we needed to try to get there. And it started with Andy and you look back on my high school career. Certainly that sophomore year where I had a year under my belt freshman year where I'd gotten super close losing in the finals to Bo under tough circumstances with. And that was trying, but I had learned from that, been able to come back the year, the next year and have more, less nerves, less, all that to be able to perform in, in the moments that mattered. Not only that, the teammates as well. You think of high school tennis, you have guys that are playing One, two, three, four doubles. A lot of times these are guys that they're not playing competitive tennis. They're not playing open singles tournaments, right? They're good tennis players, right? No joke, but at the same standpoint, if you're winning a a high school title, you need your your number one guy through your four doubles. And one of my best friends, Brian Kavanaugh, he played number four doubles with Clark Pryor and our soft, my soft again, they. Did enough? They lost in the finals at number four, but they did enough to be able to again step up when it mattered in a way that the year before Brian was on the JV team. And it's, you think of it's just they also took Andy's mentality to heart in circumstances where they hadn't played a ton of competitive tennis to where they'd be tested or the nerves or all of that. And oftentimes it comes to light at regionals or state. And it's already, You got know, big moments for to be hanging on, hanging on guys. i fortunate to say that all those guys, you go through it and have a team and teammates that, and you know, that's why, honestly, the news with Colin hurts so much. Uh, I've got a picture with him and I, arm in arm, with the trophy and with holding okay. on to the trophy. So it's things that where, obviously, not only being close with guys, but going through the fire and living the journey of that is a big deal.
0: I'm so appreciative of you sharing that what a wild ride being a coach myself I know it comes from the top down being able to be the image and the lights and the influence players pick up on it they take it on to either help them or hurt them and the oh, yeah. fact that coach Potter aligned himself accordingly for you guys to do something extraordinary your sophomore year I, I couldn't be more proud of you and that team and Bobby, you and I, as much as I talked about those head-to-heads in high school. Hey, we had some battles. Some battles, but I remember vividly one battle that was outside of high school. It was a sectional tournament. I don't know where we were. I don't know if it was Utah or Las Vegas or something, but it took me a little while to get my tennis legs underneath me, but here I am being the recipient of some very tough losses to you, and I just remember playing this particular match. I'll never forget the end of the match. You took an opportunity to... Feed words into my life in that moment. I was 16-ish. A couple weeks prior to this tournament, I took my mom to her first rehab. My mom was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And at that point, my dad had moved out to try to find a a safer place and a better situation. My brother had moved out as well. And I was living by myself with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I get to this tournament. And I'm basically holding on, trying to navigate life. See Bobby Rasmussen in the first round of this sectional, and I'm you got it. <laughs> but what was so compelling about this was Bobby provided words of wisdom and hope for me. You encouraged me, and it was around my serve. My serve was a weapon. I developed it. I worked very hard on it. Yeah, and it was something that in a particular match you noticed. What does it mean to you to know? that you had some words that not only ignited an unbelievable path in my career, but in that moment, Bobby, I was so down in the dumps that I could arguably say that moment helped save my life.
1: Wow. Yeah. To hear that, obviously, you never know the impact that your words or the approach that you take can have on, on someone in the moment. But to, to hear that, that obviously warms my heart. What I, what I recall back from those days and the battles that we've had is while you know, the wins and losses and the results is one thing, but how a person competes, conducts themselves, plays between actually competes between the lines, I I knew yeah. at the time that I was impressed first and foremost, based on how good of a tennis player you were with how late you picked it up, that was impressive to begin with, but most of all was you displayed a true joy for the game that a lot of people that are, that were, let's say at the time, let's say more talented, more fortunate with the yeah. gifts that they have, but it's in tennis, you don't completely realize that until you, your eyes are opened or you really run into somebody that displays just grit competitiveness to fight and truly love for the game. So hearing that, that the way we connected post-match that that had an impact it means a lot to me, but obviously I'm, I'm glad the impact that it had, but I can safely say that looking back on my own college year, my own career in Colorado both high school and after and college playing against you always stuck out just the way you would scratch and compete and putting that together and on the career you had post high school putting that together with uh, additional years of training again starting at 14 that's a big deal so anyways I'm uh, hits home and glad to hear the impact that it had but I want you to know obviously the impact that seeing and competing in that way had on other people as well throughout colorado that you may not recognize or, or hear as much so that's that's a big deal for my lens too
0: yeah no that's cool to hear man and i appreciate you hearing me out on some of the touchy feely stuff but at the end of the day we knew each other in forehands and backhands but here we are living life and yeah. a lot of the fast track that i had and i use this analogy all the time is is it easier to run after a dog or have a dog run after you and i've lived in most of my life as a junior having a dog run after me and <laughs> that helps you fast track pretty quick that's what's so hard is you just don't, you just don't know what people are going through and those words as much as a battlefield and there's a lot of uh, a lot of egos a lot of a lot of folks out there that were more about the wins and losses than they were about the people. I'll Hmm. never forget that conversation. And it makes me think you were one of the toughest competitors I ever competed against. There's three names that come to mind. Richard Tift. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that name. That guy, and this was right when I started. So I I go up the Steamboat. And the Aragon family, they were tied to that Steamboat Springs and freaking Rich would come out and just rip these serves. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Um, so he was one that made me scratch my head. The second one was Steve Nolan. Okay. Uh, he, he was a Smoky Hill guy. Oh, and in, in our close ties to Ponderosa where I played and he reminded me very quickly of what the game could be and that was tough, but uh, uh Bobby Rasmussen is right there, man. So cool. as I say that and I talk about competitive spirits how did you instill outside of andy potter strangling another kid on another team to influence your team drove your competitive spirits as a junior yeah i had a number of coaches
1: growing up in colorado but i'd say one that had and, and he knows this the probably most significant impact to my development brian salazar (laughs) and Brian when I first started working with him I remember he he, we came off the court and I'm hearing him talk with my mom and he said he says Patty you gotta gotta toughen him up you gotta (laughs) Brian what are you I'm right here man what is going on so he actually took me to Greenwood Athletic Club and he we would do a mixture between obviously the drilling and the the technical elements of the game but he also drill me conditioning wise and not only that he took me to Greenwood and said okay we're going to play one-on-one basketball so we get there in the basketball court and I start plucky freshman think I'm the crap because I've got these accolades behind me with my tennis career and he gets out there and just boom hacks me push pushes me punches me hacks me and i start and i go foul foul what are you doing brian i'm he goes nobody called a foul what are you doing are you gonna and he says are you gonna i you said you were flopping through? or something right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> a lot more excellence involved but he's like, are you gonna fight right. through or are you gonna be a little or are you gonna be a little brat what are you gonna do about it she it was through those sessions not only that but brian he ended up taking matt matt phillips and i to the snowball tournament in salt lake city In between the first rounds of the tournament, we would go back to the hotel and Brian had a knack for when he would hit you with a pillow, it would feel sledgehammer being delivered. Brian, we would get into these battles where he would literally try to toughen us up physically and really have fun while we were doing it too, but he not only instilled the toughness in me, but also had it, had an approach where, you know, you compete your ass off on the court, but how you treat people, how you engage with them, ultimately in the long run, it's as meaningful, if not more than the wins or losses. But in the moment, you're obviously focused on the results. But, mm. but Brian, I'd say in my high school years, he played a, a huge role in terms of toughening me up, getting me to really compete, and then from there, the, the college atmosphere, and we can talk about it a little bit more, but at, at Santa Clara and my teammates there, in addition to you know, my coach at the time, that's now, he's now the head coach at Alabama, but you yeah. you get thrown into the fire and you either, you either survive or you don't. And there are a number of guys that, that, that didn't, didn't survive and either left the team or couldn't hang and, and it was there was always an element of guys would trash talk or guys would push you and push you to be better. But at the end of the day, there was always an element of, of love or element of mm. uh, bonding behind it, where in the moment it would feel you're being challenged and pushed to the brink, but it was being done in a way pushes you ultimately. I don't know if it's a, uh, a piece of wood or if you bend and bend over time. I don't know. Probably bad. No, no,
0: you treat that wood; it can bend into a beautiful piece of art, or absolutely. Yeah. So it's so I'd say yeah that not only so
1: you have Brian as an influence, but you have Mark Whining being somebody that was at Regis that was playing number one, playing singles ahead of me for my first first for three years. Right. So he played number two while I was number three in my freshman year. He played number one sophomore and uh, junior year while, while I was behind him there. Just having influences where you have people and guys that are either older than you or helping to, again, push and instill a sense of culture that's associated either with a team or with a certain approach to how you do your work on a day-to-day basis. But yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd point to those figures, but Brian, the, his background, he's a big lacrosse guy in addition to right. his, what you? he's done. I mean, yeah, exactly. He's, he's built a little bit of a tank, right? Like a miniature tank. So whenever I would try to, to step on him, he would quickly remind me that even though I was taller than him, I, I'd be put in my place pretty quickly. So I was helpful to have.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's full circle because I was able to spend some time with Brian Salazar myself. He was a tremendous coach. He actually gave me advice and words of wisdom no different than you after that match, so I don't take that lightly. And then when I give Brian how he was in your life, my similarity would be after high school when I went to a tennis academy in Litchfield Park, Arizona, I had two coaches from Poland's I got introduced to the academy by the gentleman, Paul Benzinski, who played Oh, Paul. There you go. Yeah. And he had heavy Polish ties. His dad actually used to clean the floors of my dad's office building. Oh, wow. And that was the only reason that Paul Benzinski and I ever connected in that way. And yeah, Hmm. he was gracious enough to provide that resource. I go out there. I work with these two guys from Poland. They Very vague English. Robert Wojek played at South Carolina. He was an All-American, and then Marchin. He didn't have a last name because I guess he used to work at the discos back in Poland and got in really big trouble at the discos. And when he came to the United States, don't tell anybody my last name. But no, I I share this because they spoke two vivid words of English, Bobby. It was "run" and the "s" word, and that's all I heard for thirteen months. I spent 13 months at this academy, six days a week, six hours a day. I was eating 1,300 calories a day, and I lost 100 pounds in 13 months. I had a knee injury and then went to Northern Colorado. But nonetheless, as I share that with you and I have you think about your college tennis experience, I'd love for you to give a brief insight to the listeners of you won the individual state championship. You won the team title in high school what did college tennis mean to you man
1: yeah the i'd say as much as the high school tennis and you know high school tennis environment was meaningful i'd say it was most meaningful based on team competition because in order to be and i know you're familiar with the get recruited and get scholarship i did at santa clara had to position myself through sectional tournaments, right? One of the things I'm most proud of in my junior career is being able to, I I qualified for Kalamazoo as one of 10 players that was a a four year Kalamazoo. So each first year, 16, second year, 16, first year, 18, second year, 18. So that was something I was proud of there. And that parlayed again to the visits that I took and ended up at Santa Clara. And I'd say college career wise, what's interesting, I know I alluded to a little bit earlier, how you get pushed because even though I know a lot of times players will show up to a college atmosphere and have something promised to them or something depending on the level that you're at. But truly for me, even though it was a scholarship athlete, it was still Having to prove yourself. So my first year, I came into a team where the year before they were ranked around 60th in the country. So again, not an NCAA tournament team, but competitive tennis team. And for me, I had to scratch and claw and earn my way into the roster. So I, an interesting tidbit I'll share with you, uh, a name, I don't know if you're familiar with or not, but Kevin McQuaid. He, Kevin, had actually played uh, junior tennis in Colorado up until about age 14, 15. He was one of my contemporaries. Kevin ends up moving to Huntington Beach, California, and played his junior career in SoCal. And talk about coming full circle, Kevin and I were, so my coach at the time at Santa Clara, his name's George Husack. So he, he's now the head coach at Alabama. but I was, so Kevin and I were George's first recruits at Santa Clara. So he was the assistant coach, got promoted to head coach. And what was pretty cool was George had a framed photo of Kevin and I at Oklahoma City zonals, age 12 and under zonals. He and I together and ended up being his first two signed recruits at Santa Clara. So that was cool. But at the time, Kevin was, I'd say he was top 20 junior player in the nation. My senior year, I made it to maybe 65, 70. And then you factor in, even though that's a high ranking, you factor that compared to all of the international players, all of the level at college is, is a step higher. I played number three doubles a little bit starting off my freshman year. And it wasn't until midway through freshman year that I actually cracked the lineup. It a match that took place at Arizona State, actually, where from that point forward, the rest of my career, I was in the lineup and, and competing, But, but yeah, the college experience to me was one where growing up in Colorado, it's tough to devote The amount of time that you put into your game at a college program growing up as an Intermountain tennis player, what was cool was the ability to really see what I could become as a tennis player. It was cool to see that development because growing up I was more, what I, more well-rounded type between academics, athletics, and to be able to really devote yourself and see what you could become in college was pretty cool. but. For us as a program at Santa Clara, we never made the NCAA tournament, which is a bit of a bummer. My senior year, we, we were ranked as high as 50 or so, 47 or 50, which put us right on the bubble. And unfortunately, we ended up getting fourth in the WCC tournament, which burst our bubble. And Pepperdine was always, I know we mentioned Richard Johnson, but Pepperdine was always They, our conference and our automatic bid every single year that I was there, but, but yeah, just getting to compete and uh, I'll always be grateful at Santa Clara, obviously, when you, the college environment with the amount of time, energy that you devote, not only to, to the game, but also with your teammates and to those relationships, that stuff sticks with you, I'd say probably more, obviously the high school stuff is a big deal, but it's yeah it it takes that to another level and and I'll always be thankful for that for that as well
0: that's it's fun to walk through that with you, Bobby, because knowing team oriented environment, I experienced that myself in college. So here we are, right? We're 20 ish years removed from when we were competing against each yeah. other. and you have uncovered where I'm at today and some of the things that have transpired because of that moment that you and I had on the court, to where you decided put a positive message into my life. Mm-hmm. After my college playing career, I followed my brother's footsteps. My brother's four years older than me. He's a high school soccer coach, 22 years into it, actually is a assistant girls coach at Regis Jesuit still. And wow. I eventually... Took, took on that pedigree and ended up at Regis Jesuit. And yep. my athletic director was John Kozlowski, Coach Koz, who was your coach. And I came there on a whim. It was to help a friend of mine, Ann Slocum, coach a girls tennis team as an assistant. She desperately needed somebody. And I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. Mm. And then that first year we were right on the brink of winning a 4A state championship, lost out to Cheyenne Mountain by a couple points, but we coached three lines to individual state championships. It was three singles, one doubles, and three doubles. Oh, wow. And the three singles player, her name was Kate Carroll. Her brother, Matt Carroll, won a state championship at Kent Denver. Yep. And uh, anywho, so I started as an assistant and then and leave suddenly. I didn't want anything to do with high school tennis <laughs> coaching, head coaching moving yep. forward, and I fell into it. And then 10 years later, I coached multiple individual state championships at Regis on the girls' side, came up close as top three as a team, never wanted as a team, but I was there. And I recently had a moment. Where here I am as a dad, and I'm taking my son this past summer to a run running camp. He's a cross-country and track runner. Junior at Valor Christian and highly recruited, much different than whatever I experienced. I'm just holding on to the mm. hemp bars as dad. So here we are, man, at a running camp in Palo Alto, California. Oh, and we show up. He's there for three days. One of the days, Dick Gould comes out, spends a couple hours with me and my son. Wow. Uh, I was gracious enough to have Dick Gould on the podcast because one of my mentors, Jeff Salzenstein, played for him. Yep. Yep. And what was so fun about Dick was he meets us there in Palo Alto and he doesn't spend a blip of time with me. He's only spending time with my son asking him about his running. Oh, wow. And knowing that guy won 17 national championships and Mm -hmm. did what he did, it shows me why people wanted to play for him. Yeah. Bobby, a lot of people wanted to play for me because Mm -hmm. I expressed a lot of those same attributes that not only coach Gould had, but it was because I took words of positivity, those words of encouragement and hope. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to not only take this and do what I can do as a player. And I accomplished everything I ever wanted to do as a player. Well, I got to pay it for as a coach. And the most full circle moment for me was when I was in Palo Alto with my son being his dad and with Dick Gould, I get a call maybe 30 minutes after that interaction with coach Gould. And it's from the father of Kate Carroll. And I got news that Kate Carroll had passed away well, okay. and she was in her young thirties. She was at the time a graduate of Santa Clara from the <laughs> nursing program. And she was a trauma nurse in the ER at St. Joe's in Colorado. She volunteered for me actually as an assistant coach a couple years after she won her state championship. Thank- and here I am less than 24 hours after her dad got the news that he lost his daughter, that I was one of the first phone calls because I was an impact. Bobby Rasmussen, as I paint that picture, what does this moment mean to you knowing that tennis has created an opportunity for you to provide mentorship to someone like myself, to where it was paid forward, to where it helped other people. What does this mean to you, Bobby?
1: To can say it has a profound impact is an understatement. We mentioned earlier, you never know the impact that you can have you never know what somebody's going through in a moment and how you can be of impact to someone and and truly make a difference to me i know you mentioned how i was known for competing later in my college career i took that competitive edge to a level that really Where part of what I would try to do is win on the court, but also win mentally. And and that was in some ways having that be a focus to where you're either getting in someone's head or trying to influence the outcome of a match by scratching and clawing. There were a lot of people that would say that the way Santa Clara competed was at a level that was different than other schools. And not only that, I was oftentimes the the head of not the number one player, but the head of the beast in terms of the taking that approach, the way we went about it, which in some cases, looking back, when we talk about full circle, and there were a lot of interactions where looking back, I can see both the positive in terms of where you can see okay, how I interacted, how I operated in a certain moment had a profound impact and not means the world to hear. And you can also, you know, being reflective, think back to the opportunity of times and situations where maybe not, maybe you fall short, right. Or maybe right. you focus on the small things at the time, focusing on the small things is making sure that you get in a guy's head to influence a double fault, right, or to to where you're abusing a guy's backhand with heavy forehands that's causing him to reach above his So you say go to the well or you're just needle a guy in the moment it's thinking back i wonder it, it means the world to hear the, the the impact on the right side but then you also wonder and when thinking about how players and kids compete now and try to influence winning or try to get that outcome they desire it's there is a fine line between it's if you compete and you compete hard, it's one thing to go about that on the court in a certain way. But to me, because I would say on the court, I (laughs) think that was where I would really get into it. And that's part of what to me, I wasn't in the college level. I wasn't the most, wasn't, I was talented, but I wasn't playing number one for Santa Clara. My, I played mostly four or five and there are six singles and then ended up my senior career at number four. So it wasn't as a singles player, I wasn't, I wasn't the most talented in doubles. I I was more, but again, it gets back to the team element, the, the battling and it really does matter no matter how you compete and engage on the court. It really does matter how you, the impact and how you can engage outside the court. And one thing that sticks with me is you get so focused on the outcome. And this actually came up when I've been a Nuggets fan my whole life. The Nuggets won the title is last year, obviously.
0: Oh, and great.
1: one of the things that struck me the most is when they first time in the history actually getting to the pinnacle of ultimate success, Jokic was and asked, So how does it tell me how are you feeling? And for him, the answer was yeah brother it feels great but at the same standpoint the victory is the journey is the day in day out the grind if you don't enjoy if you don't wake up to to be able to constantly get better in life to constantly look to improve your yourself and improve and be there for others around you then what do you have at the end of the day? Whether you win or lose, what matters and the impact that each of us has is dependent on the journey and how you go about that. I'm, I'm glad to hear the, that the work you're putting in on the coaching side because it really does make a difference to to kids' lives, and not only in the present, but then engage and interact later in their lives personally as well.
0: Nicola and what he said as the Nuggets won that trophy. Yeah, the journey. And I can deeply relate to that. And people uh, often ask me when I, they want to know how I tick, they want to know my why. And I always teach uncovering the why because I believe your why can overcome any how. Yeah. And here I am on a podcast that I balked at for 13 years, thinking that no one wanted to listen to a blip of what I had to say. (laughs) is one of the greatest competitors that I've ever competed against in tennis. You and I talk them through this. And there's so many nuggets that the, no pun intended, the nuggets that going to take away from today. But nonetheless, man, I, I couldn't be more proud of you. And down the road, there's a part two for you and I. But knowing how much of an impact you've been on me, I'm forever indebted. I'm forever grateful and I know that I shared Kate Carroll's story but there's probably another hundred stories that I could share with you and the why behind the how is that moment way back in an air mountain tournament when you decided to give me some encouragement and Bobby Rasmussen I can't thank you enough for joining me today on the BTB project. Yeah thanks Colin again
1: it's deeply meaningful to not only share the stories but understand impact of relationships and the colorado tennis community is far and wide and it's awesome to see how you're continuing to connect not only connect everybody but bring those stories and bring those perspectives to light not only our contemporaries but the next generation because there's a lot to be lot to be gleaned of it only from all the stories in between the successes. There's heart successes, heartache, again, the journey, right? Because the journey encapsulates, encapsulates it all. Nothing ever goes perfect um, in life from start to finish. How you go about it, how you treat people along the way. So I'm really proud and, and happy to hear the impact that not only I had with you, but also how you influenced me to be able to see the way that Somebody can compete with going through trials, tribulations, starting tennis at a later time in your life, seeing it through dark times of the Polish guys all the way to being part of the building blocks of the Division I program at, at UNC. So awesome to see and, and fortunate to reconnect with you and be on this B2B project.
0: Impossible is nothing. I firmly believe that. I I can't wait to continue to reconnect down the road, but thank you so much for spending some time with me and I can't wait for the next one. I appreciate you. All right. Let's have at it. Thanks, man.